you for a minute about being set free and risen up in Christ Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray over this word, Jesus? This is your word. You said it's given to us for an example. What he experienced in physical life, we have the opportunity to experience in spiritual life. So we pray this in anoints uh, our life, anoints our, our living, anoints and changes our week this next week and gives us what we need. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. If you're going to rise up, you have to have a relationship with righteousness. You have to be willing to surrender yourself to a life lived for God. And that is what Joseph did. He lived for the Lord. He had a love for God. And he also had the ability to flaunt <laughs> what God had given him. He liked to talk about his dreams. He liked to wear his colorful coat. He had no problems with it. He had no problems with his father loving him the way he did. And I think that's this picture to us. We should have no problems with our father lavishly loving us. We should have no problems with God showing us favor and showing us blessing, and driving in in what God gave you, but not making it about the thing God gave you, but making about the God who provided it. Amen? Making sure that you understand that there's going to be favor on your life when people walk around you. There's going to be people that look at you and maybe even have, like his brothers, a little jealousy and a little envy. But understand, you're not responsible for other people's jealousy and envy as much as you're responsible to make sure they know that God gave this to you and you would not have it had you not been a good steward and a loving father, mother, and you were the person who spent your life in total dedication to God. Understanding that rising up or coming above in the favor of the Lord is only done through humility. That whenever God lifts you up, he puts you in places, in heavenly places, amen? And he restores you in ways that others will scratch their head and go, how did you get out of that? How did you get through that? How did your marriage survive that? How did your relationship, how are you not in a mental institution right now? How are you not on three or 30 different kind of medications to survive? How are you not uh, so messed up that you can't see the light of day? But there is a place that we find in Jesus Christ where we totally give him all of ourself, mind, body, soul, and spirit, who we are, what we are, what we look like, what we talk like, how we live, all of it completely surrendered to him. And when you do that, I promise you, there is nothing like that walk with God on planet Earth. Earth. There's nothing that satisfies like being in his presence and walking with him. There is something that happens to your personal well-being and your mental state when you have a place to run to, when you have a refuge from despair, when you have a God who is well able, amen, when you have a God who can do all things, even do them so well that it is called that, that our God is more than sufficient. He's the superlative of everything that is good. He is almighty, righteous, and holy. He lifts himself up, not because he wants to show us how amazing he is, but he lifts himself up on a cross for us. He came down low that he might lift us up, brothers and sisters. And so we have a right to rise up. I know this world has translated right to mean so many things 
things. We've removed the understanding in our culture of duty. Many people in the early 60s, 50s, and 40s understood that they had a duty to their community. They had a duty to their society. They had a, a duty to their government or to their lifestyle to live and to present themselves as good people, righteous people, people that cared about others, that did unto others as they would have done unto me. But we've removed the duty aspect from culture. And now everybody's got their rights. Everybody's got rights that they want to have and rights that they make up to have. Amen. And even those people that have those rights would not have those rights had it not been for young men and women taking on the duty of the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s and building America to what it was. I understand that there's a lot of controversy in that, but I want to tell you that there is an important message to be said that the church still understands that we have a right to rise up and everybody who walks through those doors and everybody who gets into that baptismal tank and everybody who gets filled with God's spirit has a God-given right to do so. They have the right to be saved. They have the right to be walking in newness of life. They have a right to come out of darkness into marvelous light. I preach to you today that we are people who are blessed by our Father, and he puts on a garment of holiness on us. And we must be the ones who walk in that holiness, amen, in word, in deed, in lifestyle, in dress. And whatever you say about all of that, I can tell you this. The scripture says that Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Without spot. That's God's job. He removes sin. When we go down in watery baptism, the remission of sins, it is real and it is powerful and you are made new. And from that day forward, you call back when you ask God to re for repentance. You call call back to your baptism and everything that was before the cross rolls up to it and everything in your life after the cross rolls back to it. I get that. But what I also want to tell you is that he put on a robe of righteousness on us and though he takes care of the cleaning, we have to make sure there's no wrinkles. Amen. We have to be the ones who aren't sitting down, kicking feet, wondering when Jesus is coming back, hoping maybe he'll show up before everybody leaves the church, or hoping maybe he'll show up before our kids get in their mind that culture is better than Christianity. No, that's not the mentality of the church, brothers and sisters. Not, that's not the church of Azusa Street. That's not the church of today that's full of the Holy Ghost. We are apostolic in doctrine. We are Pentecostal in behavior and experience, and we are in holiness as a lifestyle amen it is a lifestyle that you live and it raises you out of all the things you came from holiness unto god yes we get our holiness from the holy ghost we are not holy our righteousness is as filthy rags we know what all that means you study it out you know what it means it means we are absolutely destitute without the holy ghost being in us we don't have holiness in and of ourselves but hear me that holiness that comes from God, though it wash us white as snow, we ought to do everything we can to shed anything that puts us in back into the places where we were low. Anything we can to put us back down and to put us back in addictions and put us back in struggle. If it leads to addiction, you shouldn't be doing it. Amen, somebody. <laughs> well, pastor, this is supposed to be a fun sermon. Sometimes I preach ones that aren't that fun, even though the story of Joseph is amazing. He goes through and he says, I had a dream. And he wants to tell his brothers about it. 
He has a dream. And this dream is an amazing dream. Joseph said, you guys are going to want to hear this dream. I dreamed, he told his brethren, I dreamed that, behold, in verse 7, for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaves rose, arose and also stood up. In other words, the binding of the, of the crop rose upright. And behold, your sheaves, all of the ones that you bound, stood around and made obeisance or bowed down to my sheaves. We got a weird picture going on. We got, I don't know what he had for dinner or what he might have been doing. Maybe he was standing around too much smoke, but the boy's seeing corn standing up and other corn bowing down. So this whole situation's a little corny. And we have, we have a problem here. And he's like, this is what I saw happen. And they're like, his brothers were like, you got to be kidding me. And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. He's like, you dreamer, you got way too much going on in that head of yours for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream. You think he'd learn his lesson. They don't receive dreams from me. But he didn't. He didn't care. He knew they were from God, and he wanted to share them. And I want to just take a moment and give you a Joseph lesson real quick. Be careful who you tell your dreams to. And it, even here, it says, be careful that you don't tell people that cannot receive them. Understand that there are some people that are in your life that are only there for a short, short amount of time. They are not there to stay. And they will, if you find people that can celebrate your dreams, keep them in your life. But people that cannot, those that are for you can't stay. Those are against you. Those that are for you cannot leave you. Those that are against you cannot stay. Understand that. Be careful who you tell your dreams to, even among your family. Because dreams are like little babies. You don't want to give them into the care of a stranger. Amen? So your dreams are important. and They, they were important to him. And he told this brethren and said, Behold, I have a dream that I dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars made obeisance to me. He's like, wait a minute. We've gone from corny to absolutely out of this world. I mean, just gone crazy. He's talking about moon and stars bowing down to him and all of these. And then I know people interpret that as the moon being, you know, the father and the stars and being his mother and the, or the stars being his brothers and, and all of this stuff. But that his fathers and his mother and his, and his brothers are all going to bow down to him someday. And I know it's been interpreted that way, but I want to just try to tell you something that it, there's a number given. And anytime there's a number given in Scripture, it's very important. It says the moon, the sun, which was his, representing his father, the moon, his mother, and then the 11 stars, his brothers. That's what's typically taught out of this, made obeisance to me. And that is true that they would bow down later on. But some people have also looked at it as 11 stars and two more planets. That's 13. And he left here, sold into slavery, and 13 years later, he was put on the throne to reign over Egypt for Potiphar, uh, for, for the Pharaoh as the governor of Egypt. So some people believe it was not only just talking about his parents, but it was also talking about the time it would take him to get to the place that God had built the dream for him. And can I just tell you this? If you have a dream in this room, believe me, I'm a dreamer. I know what that's like. Sarah knows. I'm a seven. She it drives her absolutely crazy sometimes, and she's learned how to work with it. But thank God for wonderful women that know how to deal with their husbands when they have absolutely corny dreams. Nice throwback, Pastor. But we still, we see that God works with people. 
who are dreamers. And I, and I, would, tell, I would tell you this, doesn't matter how long it takes, God can fulfill dreams. He can bring a dream to pass. If you have a dream in your heart and you give it up to God, he will raise you up into that dream, amen? He will bring you and build you up till you fit the dream that you can't fit right now. He will take you and he'll put you in a place where the dream is funded. Hello, somebody. Joseph's dream would have, to most of us, if we had a brother like that, we would have looked at him and said, you don't have the means, you don't have the ability, you don't have the budget, you're not even able. You, you don't have the capabilities to manage something that size. And that would have been true because God always gives you dreams for where you will be. And he builds you into it. He raises you up to do what he's given you as a dream. Amen. That, that's so powerful. I couldn't stand here today 10 years ago with what I knew then and do what I do now. I couldn't handle the load and the pressure of a church on my shoulders with the understanding that my prayer life wasn't as strong as it is now. Uh, everything that's in my life is only built so that I can do what he's called me to do. Understand, he's building you for what he's calling you to. So the dream that he gives him was not ready for those that were hearing it, but he was willing to receive it and take it on. And because he was, they were not liking what he said about them. But understand that it took Egypt's economy to fund Joseph's dream. And it's going to take the world's money to fund the church's dream. <laughs> I love it. Can I tell you? I wasn't going to tell anybody. Dean, I'm sorry. I told you not to tell anybody. I came back Monday. We had a long weekend. Did, did Friday night marriage retreat. Saturday morning, first session. Check, check out. Then Saturday mid-morning, second session. We got back here. Well, we went to Lake Geneva <clears throat> because we had our own marriage retreat. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. He is good. And so we went to Lake Geneva, and then we went to Life Point Church in McGuanago, and we preached there the 9 a.m. and then the 11 a.m. I've never done two services in a row. It was stretching me. I, I had such a hard time preaching the same sermon twice because my brain doesn't do anything twice. So I, everything's an adventure for me, and we always do it differently every time, and my wife has to deal with that. But I was, I was there, and, and we're, we're just spending time hanging out and, and doing things. And, and I got back on Monday, and I was just like, oh, that was so nice. And, and the material went so well, and I just can't wait to get the book. And I was, you know, kind of feeling that Monday low. You know, after having a high, you come back to a low. And I pull in here, and I open the mailbox to pull out the advertisements that come, you know. And, and I reach in, and I, there's a little envelope, and I'm like, what is, what is this? And I open it up, and there's a check for $10,000 in the envelope to the church. And it was just like God was saying, keep going. I'm going to take whatever I need to take and give it to you if you keep the dream alive. Amen? If you just keep believing in me, if you just keep hoping in me, you keep putting your trust in me, doesn't matter who hates you, doesn't matter who hates on you, doesn't matter who's jealous, doesn't matter who gets envious, God can do it with whatever funds he wants to send. In other words, your budget does not keep God from bringing your dreams to pass. Your situation does not keep God from bringing your dream to pass. You are to step out. You are to believe. You are to get out on that water, Peter. You are to walk toward Jesus. You are to do everything you can to put on the ropes of righteousness and let God raise you up into what he's called you to be. And somebody said, amen. Would you clap your hands on the Lord if you believe he's working on your dreams? He's working on your hopes and your aspirations. 
Timing is everything with God. Just think if Joseph would have got upset with God's timing. 11 years, he sold by his brothers. They were going to kill him. Reuben says, no, don't shed blood. And then for some reason, there's a band of Ishmaelites, Midianite land, but Ishmaelites coming by. And he sells. They're like, hey, let's, let's pull our brother out of the pit. We didn't, they didn't like his jacket. <laughs> you know what they say in the hood, if you're watching online from the hood? He almost got dead for his drip. <laughs> oh, that's not even palatable, Pastor. I was going to name this, never mind. I won't tell you what I was going to name this sermon. <laughs> from drip to the palace, amen? But anyways, he's sitting in a pit because they threw him in the pit, and they see these Ishmaelites. They didn't kill him. They just threw him in a waterless pit. And you know what pit stands for, right? Profit and training. So he's, is that the third dad joke? I don't know, but we'll edit out some dad jokes if, it's get, if it gets too many. And so he's pulled out of this pit, and he's sold to this band of Ishmaelites headed to Egypt. They're, they're, they're people that take, and they traffic in men, and they take him to, to the land, and they sell him. And it says in verse, in chapter 39, and Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer, Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites, which had brought him down thither or brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph. Everybody say, the Lord is with me. So Joseph has these dreams, sun, moon, stars, the corny one. He has these dreams. And he believes that something's going to happen. And instead, he gets sold into slavery. This is not what a powerful move of God looks like, brothers and sisters. Sometimes it's not what it looks like. I preached to you that before. But Jesus is still with him. I want you to know that. Carla, Jesus is still with you. Sister Karen, Jesus is still with you. Amen. Who, do I, who else do I pick out? Jesus is still with you. And so he was in the house of Potiphar, and the Bible says he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Amen. Tell, tell your neighbor that someone's going to see it. Turn to somebody and say, someone's going to see it. In fact, you can't hide the favor of the Lord. You can't hide the blessings of the Lord. Whenever God raises you up, it's going to show. Amen. And the master saw it that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. When you surrender, I know it seems crazy that you'd give everything away to God, but when you lose your life in Jesus Christ, you really do find it, amen? When you let go of everything, you really do find it. And I don't mean to be on that surrender vibe one more week, but I'm telling you, that is the truth. This is what God does with a life surrendered. He'll take him to the lowest place and then build him up, and only God can do what God did in Joseph's life. Only God could provide the dream for Joseph. Only God could provide the budget for that dream. Only God could do all these things. And when you get to a point of giving your life 100% to God and not chasing after things that never could fulfill anyways, you'll find out that every single step is up a stairwell headed to greater blessings and headed to prosperous things. And those around you notice that the things your hands touch will prosper. I don't care if it's crafts in your basement. 
I don't care if it's making beanies for cancer babies. I don't care if it's helping out the neighbor cross the road who's elderly. I don't know what your hands find to do, but whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your heart and with all your might as unto the Lord, and God will prosper it, and the world will see it. Amen. And you'll pull up and just be reaching out of a mailbox to grab some stuff. And God will say, watch this. I'll bless you. I'll blindside you with a blessing. I'll blindside you with a blessing on a Monday morning. I'll get you up and I'll make you think it's just another day of coffee and donut on the way to work. But it's not. I'm going to put somebody in your path that's going to hear about something you're doing. And they're going to say, I want to be a part. I want to come serve. I want to, I want to do something. And you're going to find an opportunity to speak to somebody that changes their world. Sarah and I walked into just a, a night to be away. We thought, well, we're planned to be away this weekend. You know, Rob and Reese, they got it. They bat a thousand. We're good. We'll just be away. We'll just go to Lake Geneva, rent a hotel room, and just have a night to, to you know, to be away. Recoup. That's what we were thinking. Saturday night, we're like, oh, we gotta run over to, we gotta run over quick to Walmart. I, I can tell you that being away on a weekend and Walmart do not go together. So you know. But if you want to feel better about yourself, please go to Walmart. <laughs> Look around and go, thank you, Lord, I'm saved. <laughs> I'm kidding, only kidding, just jokes. Jokes, people, JK. We went into Walmart. We're walking down the aisle. And you know, Sarah believes in outward holiness. She lives it. I think, thank you for, Sister Sarah, I thank you for that public dedication. I thank you for that conviction. Amen. It is a conviction, it's a very personal conviction. But we're just walking down the aisles. And there's this guy coming the other way on the other side. There's big, you know, those big island things where stuff is all piled up at Walmart. And we're walking on the other side. And he goes, excuse me. He goes, are you Pentecostal? And I'm like, how'd you know? He's like, I saw your hair. <laughs> Everybody sees her hair. I mean, I got my best suits on sometimes. And they only see her hair. I polish my shoes. And all they see is her hair. Come on, give a guy a break. <laughs> She's like, you're very handsome. That's just, thank you. I wasn't looking for that. But then he's like, comes around the island. He's like, I recognized it. And we're like, well, yeah, we are Pentecostal. He goes, is there a church in the area? He's from Ireland. He's got this great accent. And I'm like, just keep him talking, babe. Keep him talking. I want to hear his accent. I love accents. It's like when I talk with Gracia. I love accents, you know? It's like, come on, say something else. Just keep talking. I want to hear, I want to hear how you say that word, you know? So I'm having a great time. I'm, I'm like sitting there smiling the whole time, and she's talking to him. And he goes, yeah, my, my, my family goes all the way back to Azusa Street. He goes, we have been in Pen I'm a fifth-generation Pentecostal. And he's like, is there a church in Lake Geneva? I'm like, well, we're going to plant one just now. <laughs> just so you, and my wife's like, no, you are not going to go plant another church. We're going to send. We're going to send. Full send. We'll send somebody. And I'm like, I wanted to plant a church instantly. And I'm like, no, there's not a church. And he's like, he's a nurse. He works here. He's been here since January. He's going back to Ireland next month, and he wants me to go with him. And I'm like, yeah, we'll sell houses and cars and lands to go to Ireland. Sure, stand at the cliffs of Moore. You betcha I'll do that. 
Jen, I'll go right now. Hey, um, anybody else want to finish the sermon? I got to catch a plane. Going to Fireland. I mean Ireland. And so we're like, hey, do you know Ju- you know um, Cooney? What's his first name? Joe Cooney. He looks a lot like me. Almost identical. And um, I've been accused of being him before at General Conference. <laughs> and he, we're like, do you know Joe Cooney? He came to missionary, you know, do missionary work there. He's like, oh, yeah, I know Joe Cooney, yes. You know, and he got all excited. This is supposed to be just an innocent walk through Walmart. We're just supposed to go to Walmart and get something. We, we, we needed white bandanas for the service because we we're going to do that surrender thing we did here at the end of the altar call. And suddenly we have a 35-minute discussion with this guy and now he's texting me, and I'm praying with him, and we're ministering to him, and his name is Joseph, and he reminded me of this story. And so I just, I just wanted to tell you that regardless of whether you think it's just another average day, and you're just in a normal cycle of paying bills, getting up, making ends meet, I want you to know that if you are walking with God, God will be with you. Others will see it, and there is not a normal day with God. You're not just having another Sunday. Today, somebody's heart will be encouraged to rise up in this place. And my prayer is this story, you go read it, 39 through 45 in Genesis. You read Joseph's story. It's a powerful thing. Everything that was a setback was actually a setup. And if you look at the whole story, you see that he gets into Potiphar's house, and he must have been a handsome-looking dude because Potiphar's wife got eyes for him and started chasing him, saying, lie with me. And he's like, I cannot do this this not only has your master my master given me everything in this house except for you but I will not sin against God he called it a sin against God not a sin against his master as much as it was I am a godly man and I will not do that but day by day she wore on him and wore on him and finally she called all the men out of the house and he came in to do business and nobody's there except for her and she lays her hands on him and he this guy's losing coats left and right He strips his coat off and runs, and she has his coat in her hand, and she tells the master, her husband, that he he tried to to rape me. He tried to take me, and I got his coat, and I yelled for help, and the master was so mad that he throws him in prison, and he throws him in the ward of Pharaoh. And every, again, setback is always a setup because God had plans for him to run Egypt from his dreams, but he didn't know how he's going to get there. The only way he was going to get to his dream was if he stayed surrendered to God through all of it. That was the only way. And so then here comes the butler and the baker. So he's in Potiphar's house for about 11 years, according to Scripture. He was 17 when he was sold into slavery. He's 30 when he takes the governorship in Egypt. So 13 years How many planets were there? Sun, moon, 11 stars. Planets are typically talked about in forming of time. We have time because we circle the sun. In fact, we're moving, what, 48,000, 480,000 miles per second. I don't remember what it was, but it's crazy. That's why you're always exhausted, because you're moving so fast. (laughs) Just like, Pastor, do you know how fast I'm traveling right now? I'm moving faster. And you can even imagine. So he gets this butler showing up. He's been in prison for about two years. Everybody say two years. I'm trying to keep you with me real quick in this story. He's been in the prison for about two years. 
and Joseph was showed mercy by the prisoner, the prisoner, the prison keeper. And Joseph is literally running the prison. Talk about surrender. Taking a bad situation and making it better. That's what every one of us should do in our Christian walk, is whatever comes into our life, no matter who or what calls it bad, we make it better. Because Jesus is raising us up through it. Amen? Even if it's the worst possible thing, it, it, God may not have sent it, but he can use it. It may have been the flesh of man and bad decisions of human beings, but God can use it. Amen, somebody? Oh, my goodness. And the keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because the Lord was with him and that which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Notice a trend here. He's in Potiphar's house and everything is prospering because the Lord is with him and because he's diligent, he's disciplined, he's careful in business. He does his work dutifully, amen, with duty. And then you see, that he gets in prison and the same thing's going on. Same comment. If you have problems that show up the same way every time, don't be the common denominator that causes the problems. Be the common denominator that brings blessing into that environment and brings hope and brings deliverance and brings prosperity into that environment. Change your atmosphere. You were... I'm going to preach so bad right now. You were not made to be affected by your atmosphere. You were made to affect your atmosphere. Can I yell it while I'm preaching? Is that all right? Am I going to get red faced? I don't even care. You are not an animal. You are not a monkey's uncle. You were not raised to be something that is just a creature with some sort of kept, some sort of kept morals. You were made by God in the image of God. God, and you were made to speak creative voice and word. You were made to walk into situations and say stuff and do stuff that nobody else can do. You were not made like everything else. In nature, look at nature. It will teach you. The Bible even says to look at nature. You understand that everything made in nature was made and given camouflage to blend in to its environment. It was made with spots or colors indigenous to the areas in which it lives and it would grow and be able to hide itself from its predator in weeds and in places of camouflage. Understand, we were not made like that. We were made in the image of God. We were made to walk into our environment and change it. We were made to walk into our environment and take dominion over it. We are supposed to take dominion in our marriages, take dominion in our homes. We are supposed to speak it, drink it, manifest it. That is who we are in Christ Jesus. We are people brought back from the fall, risen in Christ. To be risen up, brothers and sisters, means that you take dominion over everything. If you have weakness, if you have struggle, you weren't meant to live there. You were meant to rise up above it. Somebody said amen. Amen. I don't have time to finish. God can help us, if you would stand with me, God can help us to rise above it all. God can help us to not live those 13 years feeling like we've just been abandoned by God and our family and hurt so bad that we cannot get up again. Think about the understanding 
17 years old, sold into slavery. 11 years in Potiphar's house, two years in prison. The butler and the baker come, and they have dreams, and he tells them their dreams. He says, don't forget me. They forget him. At least for another two years, we know that he's in that prison, whether that was the beginning or the end, but he would not have access to Pharaoh had it not been for his butler and his baker. The butler has a dream and sees a vine, three vines. He said, in three days, you're going to be raised back up to, to squeeze grapes and to create juice and to create drink for the Pharaoh, and he's going to forget all before, and you're going to be back to the same state you were in, the chief butler to the Pharaoh. And the baker has a dream. News isn't so great. And I won't go over that dream, but just his dream was in three days, you will be cut off, you'll expire, you'll be put to death. What a low point in Joseph's life to have seen and been truthful about dreams that somebody else had and then them forget about them, him. So it wasn't until Pharaoh had a dream and the butler went, ding, 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 ding. I remember a dream. I remember a dream I had. And there was an interpreter. You are supposed to have the answer. And if you don't have the answer, you go to prayer and get the answer. Because the one you're praying to has the answer. And Joseph knew that. And he, God gave him the ability to interpret the Pharaoh's dream. There was going to be seven lean years before there would be seven years of plenty. And in those seven lean years, Israel said, why are we sitting here? Why, why are we looking at each other? We could blame each other for this, or we could go where there's food. I, I, I like the man. I believe in going where there's food. <laughs> I might mess up a serious moment right now with some humor. But he said, get up, go to Egypt, get us some food. And they came in, and Pharaoh disguised himself, or Joseph disguised himself. Gave them food, gave them their money back. They went back, and they found out, hey, our money was back in the sack. Uh, don't know how that happened. So they got out, ran out of corn, and they were going to go back to Egypt to get more, and they said, we can't go back. The man said, don't come unless you bring your younger brother. And Israel, Jacob's like, why would you tell him? Why would you tell him that you had a younger brother? Don't you know what happened to Joseph? That his colorful coat that I gave him was brought to me? The robe that I put on him was brought to me torn and tattered with blood on it. They had killed a kid. The brothers had killed a kid goat and smeared blood on it and taken it to his father and said, this is what we found. You make your own interpretation. And his father said, surely he's been torn by an evil beast. He made his own conclusion. He jumped to the wrong conclusion. Then they said, we're supposed to take Benjamin with us. They go back to Egypt. You know the story. He's hiding himself still. Has to step out several times, Joseph, because he's weeping because of the wound. Think about it. The wound your family dealt you. Anybody ever been there? A close wound that you had to step out and pray to God for? He washes his face. He keeps going back in. And then they send him all home, but he puts his cup in Benjamin's sack and returns all their money. And then he sends a messenger after him, said, how could you do this evil thing to, to Joseph, who's been so kind to you? They bring him back. And then Joseph slowly works his way through, revealing himself to them. And he said, is my father, does my father yet live? And they said, yeah, he's well. He said, take all of these, take these carts, take everything and go get him and bring him to Egypt. And they bowed before him that one day. And when they did, 
I can tell you Joseph didn't dream that dream and think this is what it's going to look like in the end. You have to give it all to God because you don't know what your dream's going to look like when it actually gets here. It could be different. You could be alone and you thought you'd be with that spouse. You could be someplace where you never thought you would be. When God shows up to fulfill your dream, you may not be here. You may be there. You may not even have, a, have the same style of living when you get to the point of your dreams being revealed. But if you're stuck on the dream, you will never get the Savior that promised it. You'll never get the power of the revealed dream. You'll miss the moment if you live for the dream and not for the one that gave the dream. Because it won't look like it when it shows up. A lot of dreams come to us dressed in overhauls, amen? There's a lot of work involved, a lot of sacrifice. And he had to spare his brothers when he could have murdered them in that culture with his power. He had to forgive them to get his dream fulfilled. Who do you need to forgive today so that God puts the dream back on active status? What do you need to do today to put that dream back in your life? He was 39 when his brothers came to Egypt. He was 41 when his brothers came with his father. He lost all those years of family, but he still gave God glory. What can we do with our lives if God gives the dream and we hold on to the one who gave the dream? What could God do? I'm asking you today to search your heart and to ask God, Lord, how are you raising us up? Where are you taking us to? And I give myself to you so that I hold on to the dream giver and keep my robes of righteousness. I pray in Jesus' name right now, every head bowed in this place. There's a dreamer here. There's someone who wants to do more with their life than where they are right now. And maybe some of you feel like this is a setback. I know there's some of you that have plans, strong, strong goals in your life. You're not people who sit around. You're people who have destiny in your veins. And you, you plan to do something powerful and amazing with your family and your life. But I wonder if maybe we could set aside everything and just say, whatever it looks like, Jesus, I surrender it all to you. Give me what you have in the dream. Give me where you're taking me. Give me what you planned for us. And we'll be willing to take it however it comes and trust that when the moment of the dream fulfilled happens, you will quicken our spirit. You will shake us and you will tap us on the shoulder, Holy Spirit, and say, hey, this is the dream fulfilled. Forgive anyone here that has held any resentment against somebody who put them in a place of hurt, put them in a place of pain, where they saw the, the wound of family, the wound of friend, more than they saw the dream you were working on in their life, where they saw Pharaoh's prison as just another setback and not a setup, where they saw the struggle of their life as something that would never bring to pass their dreams. 
but instead let them worship you from the prison house, Jesus. Let somebody in their heart today lift their hands and apply this story to their own circumstance that they're coming out of the prison house. They're headed for the king's palace in the name of Jesus. There's a robe of righteousness on their shoulders. There's a hope of a heavenly place for them. I pray in the name of Jesus that you infuse dead dreams right now with new life in Jesus' name. There's somebody here that wants to bring something to Jesus. This altar's open. Come on, Joseph. You're here. You're just like Joseph. You thought it died. You thought it was hopeless. But here comes your promise down a dusty road. Some of you had some goals and some dreams that you thought had died, but they're not dead at all. Every struggle you've been through is just building you toward the day when you lift your head and you say, look how God raised us up. Come on, people, rise up today. Rise up out of the places you've been. Rise up out of the habits that have helped, has kept you. Rise up in some way today in Jesus Christ. We ask this in your name. Consume me from the inside out, Lord.